You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom. To go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ. To be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You are not made to make excuses. It's time for you to take extreme ownership for your life all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Seeking Excellence Podcast. I am Nathan Cranfield, your host for the SE Podcast. Super excited to be coming at you today with a great message. And I want to start off with this quote that I once heard on a podcast from a business leader, CEO. Um, and he shared this quote and just really always stuck with me. And he said, the only reason why you feel inferior to somebody else is because you feel superior to somebody else. And so what that means is if you have feelings of inferiority, right? So if you feel like you're not worthy, if you feel like you're not good enough, you're comparing yourself to other people and you're feeling less than, it's probably because there's also people in your life, in the world that you're comparing yourself to that you feel better than, that you think you have more value than. And it's, it's I mean, it's a deeply impactful statement, you know, to think about that. Because I think that we all experience inferiority. We all have an inferiority complex. There's times when we feel unworthy, we feel like we're not good enough. We feel, we look at other people and we say that they're better than us. Not just in ways that we can say, okay, that person's more talented than me, that person's stronger than me, that person did better on a test than me, but that person is better than me. Generally speaking, they have more value than me. I'm incapable of doing, you know, beating ourselves up and looking down on ourselves because of the way that we view other people and we view them as better than us. And the main reason why I think that also happens, the counterpoint to that is that we view other people as lower than us, as less valuable than us, you know? And the same thing goes, you know, the only reason why you feel superior to somebody else is because you feel inferior to somebody else, other people in the world. So thinking about that and how does that affect your life? And so that's the topic of today's episode is why are we so judgmental? Why are we so damn judgmental, you know? And I've had a huge breakthrough in my life with this recently um, that I'm super grateful for. Praise the Lord for just working in my heart and just kind of changing my life recently. Uh, in this realm of just judgmental, uh, being judgmental and just kind of uh, my pride and the way that I viewed other people and the way that I was comparing myself to other people was really toxic. It was really unhealthy. And so it was a big breakthrough for me. But think about it in your life. Who is it that you feel inferior to? And who is it that you, and, you, and to be even more honest, it's a good, more difficult question to answer. You need to be more prayerful about this one. Who do you feel superior to? It's probably easy for you to identify the people that you feel inferior to, who you feel like you're worse than, who you feel is better than you. But who are the people that you generally in your life look at and you're just like, well, at least I'm not that person. At least I might be bad or whatever. You know what I mean? Like I make my mistakes, but at least I'm not that person. Like, because a lot of times that's what happens, right? We compare ourselves. We do this 
comparison game and, and you know we look at our lives look at somebody else's life and we feel bad about ourselves and then what do we do we turn around and we just go find somebody who will make us feel good again instead of just being allowing the lord to work in our hearts our mind body and soul to make us feel good about us while still challenging us and drawing out the very best in us instead of doing that we, we turn to our neighbor we turn to our left and our right and we find somebody who makes us feel bad about ourselves somebody go and find somebody who makes us feel good about ourselves but that, that mentality and that habit and that process being a part of your life starts to really tear you down and have some long lasting, you know, potentially eternal impact on your soul because of the way that it starts to develop this toxic mentality of how you view your neighbor, how you view other people. And so that was something that was really powerful for me as I was thinking about being judgmental and, and being judgmental in my life, dude, was something that I've struggled with for the last, I would say, beginning of 2019, so almost over a year and a half now. I remember the beginning of 2019, I started to have what I call kind of like my orthodox revolution, right? So I was, um, you know, just kind of getting more and more in love, falling more and more in love with the orthodoxy of the church. And I started to find myself being more judgmental to those who weren't as orthodox or who practiced their faith in a different way. And I'm talking about little things like all the way down to how somebody receives communion or uh, the way that they say the responses at mass or how they kneel and like, all those different things. And I remember being upset and pissed off when people would judge me for those things. Still do. I still don't like it, but I was judging other people. And I, I just like, you know how it is when you're struggling with the sin. And sometimes a lot of times this happens when we're struggling with lust is you start to have these thoughts or these ideas that come into your mind. And you're just like, who put this there? You know what I mean? Like it's out of nowhere. And you're just like, why am I even thinking that? Sometimes it could be holding grudges or being unforgiving or being hateful towards other people. And you just have this really negative thought, envy or jealousy, you know, that that happens as well. Pride, these thoughts, these evil thoughts that just come into your mind, just pop up. And I was experiencing that in the realms of judging others. And I looked at other people and I'm like, why am I so judgmental? I really didn't understand it. I never viewed myself as somebody who was judgmental. I always thought one of my strengths was loving people and being able to love everybody and being relatable to a lot of people, right? Knowing my past, I've been good at, at trying to be forgiving in, in others because I know that how much God has forgiven me. God's shown me great, great mercy in my life. And so I'm like, why am I struggling so much with judging, judging other people? And so it kind of came to me recently, you know, in the last few weeks as I, you know, I, I recently got a new tattoo, uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary there on my forearm. And it was a big moment in my life. You know, it's something that if you know anything about my tattoo journey, <laughs> or if you don't, I'm going to tell you right now. So my tattoo journey, I had, I got six tattoos in a four month period after I graduated from Ranger School. I was age, I was 23, I turned 24 in that, in that four month period. And so I got six tattoos in four months. And so everybody's kind of like, what are you doing? Like you're getting all these tats, right? But I had one in tattoos since I was 15. And so I had waited and waited and waited. And I still believe my philosophy on tattoos that you should wait till you're 21. till you have at least some set values and some idea of who you want to be in the world. But I waited, you know, until I was 23, 24. And I got six tattoos in four months. As soon as I got my upper half of my sleeve, it's all Old Testament stuff there. I've got David and Goliath. I've got Daniel uh, represented with the lion here. And then I got Noah's Ark with the dove in the back. And I always had the Old Testament up top. And I said, man, I always want to finish my sleeve out with New Testament, Jesus and Mary represented on the bottom of my forearm. And a lot of people for the, the next uh, three years or so, three and a half years of my life, people were very, very anti me doing that. Very, very anti me doing it. People tell me all the time, don't do it. You know, like it's going to look bad. It's going to hurt your professional career. It's going to, you know, whatever. And a lot of it is their preconceived notions on what they viewed about people with tattoos, right? So a lot of times people that don't have tattoos view people as tattoos with tattoos as some type of, oh, well, he's, you know, he's a thug or they're a bad person or she's, you know, 
whatever. And so we have these like negative ideas of what somebody with a tattoo is like. Once you have one, it's a little bit different, right? You still feel like you're still you. You might even feel more you, more like a better version of, of who you were created to be. And so that that impacts the way that we view these things, right? And so when you partake in something, whether it's sinful or not, I think it changes the way that you view people who partake in those things, right? So it can be very humbling. It can be, uh, you know, a big perspective shift for you to participate in something or to fall in love with somebody or befriend somebody who has partaken in those things, uh, partaken, I don't think is a word, partook, who has partook in those things or who has, you know, that tendency or that personality trait or that preference in life. Um, and you get to have a different perspective on it. And it doesn't mean that you have to change your, your perspective or your, your uh, love of the truth. It doesn't mean that you have to change your love of the faith, the wholeness of the faith. But what's interesting in, in judging other people that I've learned, and especially I've seen it in myself, is that a lot of times we're judging other people on things that are not objective truth. They're not sin or not sin. They're not virtues and vices. A lot of times it's just preferences. People have different preferences than us. People have different preferences in uh, the music they listen to doesn't mean that it's sinful. It just might be different. People have different preferences in something like tattoos or the way that they dress or, you know, these different areas of life that are not necessarily vicious or virtuous, but they're just preferences that we have. And we judge each other. We write each other off and we close this door, right, to evangelization because we're not going to have a relationship with that person. I'm not going to get involved with them in any way because they're bad and I'm good, you know, and it's so easy to fall into that. But as I'm thinking about more and more, you know, as I approach getting this new tattoo, I finally made a commitment to say, hey, I'm going to get this thing. I know that there's a lot of people who are not going to support me in this, but I've always wanted it. I've never wavered in wanting to get it, right? So since I've got my other ones, it's been three and a half years, I've never wavered in saying that I want to get these two tattoos. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to start it off. I, I knew the guy, Zachary Good, excellent, excellent tattoo artist out in Centerville, Ohio, Isle 9 Tattoo Shop. Shout out to Isle 9. I said, I know that this guy's amazing. And this forearm tattoos are going to be very visible for the rest of my life. So it's worth paying to have a great guy do the tattoo. So I go and I get my tattoo done, you know, and I'm just thinking about it. And I kind of had this like really deep um, breakthrough in my prayer time, the Sunday prior to me going to get my tattoo. And it was just a breakthrough in me just kind of thinking about all the ways that I've allowed people's expectations and their judgments of me to really affect the way that I viewed myself. And one of the things that's really bad about doing that is that Sometimes we, 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 we take on people casting upon us that we're bad. It could be because of mistakes that you've made. It could be because of something that you've said once, something that you've apologized for and you've tried to move past. But somebody keeps casting that upon you. Because there's a difference when somebody tells you that something you did was wrong and when somebody tells you that you are wrong. Something you did was bad, something you said was bad, and that you are bad. And those things impact your soul, they impact your heart, and they wound you in a deep, deep way. And the only person who can heal those wounds is God. And so God's constantly calling us in so he can heal our wounds, so he can make us whole again and send us out in the world to be who he created us to be. Not to be somebody else, not to be what somebody else wants you to be. You're called to be who God wants you to be. And so that's a difficult task to take on because there's so many other voices in the world. You got the devil, you got the world, you got the flesh, you got all these enemies coming at you that are telling you who they want you to be. And sometimes those voices who are trying to get you to be something other than you were created to be are not just the world. They're not just, you know, rappers and movie stars. No, sometimes it's good people in your life. Sometimes it's the people that go to daily mass with you that want to keep you from being who you were created to be because they want you to be another version of them. And you have to be aware of that. You have to be careful to say, you know, I need to be myself. I need to be who God created me to be. So long as I'm living, you know, 
in, in a, uh, in good graces with God, you know, I'm living a faithful life. I'm living in a state of grace or striving to be as holy and as virtuous and as excellent as I can, but you're not, you're not, I'm not encouraging you to, to bend the truth. I'm not encouraging you. You know, a lot of times people get, I, I get it. You know, like I, I, I know that there's so many churches out there who say, you know, God just says, come as you are. And I always tell them, yeah, God does say, come as you are, but he doesn't say to stay as you are. And he wants to transform you. He wants to make you into the best you that you can be. But that doesn't mean that you, every single one of us has to look the exact same. It doesn't mean that every single one of us has to dress the exact same. It doesn't mean we have to have the same preferences in music, same preferences in style, same preferences in haircuts, same preferences in, in the way that we talk and the slang that we use. It doesn't mean that. We can be ourselves and still be holy. Look at the saints across time. They were not the exact same in all these different places. But a lot of times, you know, when you think about it, and, and Father Josh pointed this out a lot, too, of how in Catholic churches in America, we often see white saints depicted, right? We always, we often see white saints be celebrated or emphasized more than, um, you know, Hispanic or African or whatever, you know, different um, diverse, diverse groups of saints that we have in our church. And there's beauty in that. And you wonder why, you know, our church is looking like... Um, it, it, our church doesn't have the diversity that it once had. Our church doesn't have the diversity that you see the non-denominational popping church down the street that has thousands and thousands of people coming to church on Sunday. They have a ton of diversity. Why is that? Because they celebrate and promote diversity. It doesn't mean that we have to bend our truth. It doesn't mean we have to soften or water down our messages. No, I'm not even advocating that we need to start playing all these different types of cultural music in, in mass. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that we have to allow people to be themselves and to feel comfortable coming to us as themselves with the things that they're struggling with, with the baggage that they're carrying, with the wounds that are in their heart and say, hey, we wanna be a part of your healing process. I wanna be here with you. You can sit with me at mass. And that's part of why I get the tattoos. It's not just about getting tattoos to look cool or whatever. No, I love them. I love them. And for me, you know, there's certain people who love uh, doing, um, you know, they might love style. They might love uh, music. They might love all these different things that make them feel better, better, uh, about themselves, make them feel more confident, make them feel closer to God, not just about, you know, silly preferences and just feeling whatever, but like genuinely remind them of, of the glory of God's creation that is them, right? Remind them that they were wonderfully and fearfully made. And that's a beautiful thing. And we have to allow people to experiment and to learn what it is that actually draws out the best in them, that actually leads them to their own personal sainthood, because everybody's sainthood is going to look different. The sacraments are the same. The truth is the same. Universal truth, objective truth is the same for each and every one of us. And we can't bend that and we can't change that. But the, the truth doesn't have to negate the fact that we have to love people for who they are, even in the midst of their sin sometimes, as we call them and draw them out of it. And so you can't do that if you're being a fake version of yourself. You're not going to be able to embrace somebody from being who they are because you're not even you. So how are you going to encourage somebody to say, hey, there's joy and fulfillment and God wants to take, keep who you are and, and just make that a better version, make it a, a cleaner, more fulfilling, more uh, passionate, more purposeful, more purpose-driven life. He wants to keep your life, but he wants to make it, you know, better. He wants to enhance it. He wants to transform it. The reason why people think that we're just, we're just trying to strip people away and make everybody look uniform is because everybody in the church looks uniform. We have a church right now, whether we like it or not, that is predominantly older white women. That's just the fact. If you look at the stats of who's going to mass on Sunday, it's older white women. And then those are the people who I feel like when I go into church, you know, wearing a t-shirt or a polo or something like that, it's, and I'm not saying that I shouldn't dress up. I mean, I wore a jacket and, and a button up to, to mass today because it was Sunday, but you know, it, let's say it's a daily mass. I'm rocking a t-shirt and I got my tattoos out. 
You know, like those are the people I feel like are judging me. Now, how do you think that that feels when, when you're feeling like you're judged and you feel like you don't belong, you feel like you're out of place? And if it's happening to me, then I know that somebody who is dealing with uh, a mental health struggle, somebody who's dealing with same-sex attraction, somebody who's dealing with poverty and, and doesn't have the money to buy nice clothes to come to mass on Sunday, they might dress in the best clothes that they have, but they don't have the nicest clothes. We, if you're in an upper-class church, if you're in an upper-class neighborhood, we look down on those people. We make them feel uncomfortable. We make them feel like they're not welcome. And that's not right. We should not do that. We're not called to do that. It doesn't mean that we have to, you know, give all our money away to the poor. It doesn't mean that we have to endorse people's, you know, same-sex behavior, homosexual behavior, whatever it might be. But we have to be, you know, very cognizant of the way that we're looking at people, the way that we're loving people, the way that we're opening the door to say, hey, you're welcome here. You're welcome to come sit with us. Even as you struggle and you try to get your life right with God, you're welcome to be, you're welcome to do that with me. I want to be a part of that journey for you. I want to love you and help you to get rid of sin in your life as you help me get rid of sin in my life because we're both fallen. We're both sinners and we're always going to struggle with that. But when we forget that, when we lose sight of that, that's when we end up closing this door and we end up not evangelizing and we're not doing our job anymore. And then we're just maintaining our own spiritual lives, thinking that we're out here doing the mission of God, doing the work of God, just because we go to daily mass every day or we recite the rosary every day or we do whatever X, Y, or Z thing that checks the box for me that says that I'm a good person and I surround myself with all other good people and everybody looks the same as me, everybody dresses the same as me, everybody believes the same things as me. And I'm never challenged, I'm never uncomfortable, and life's never actually hard, but I feel great. And I get to look down, even though I have inferiority complexes about other people who are doing more of those things than me, or might have a better family or a better home or a better life on Instagram than I have, and I feel inferior to that, that's okay because I turn around and I look at these other people who I'm better than, and then I feel good again. Get rid of that. I'm telling you, I struggled with it for so long, and I just want you guys to be free of the need to compare yourself to other people for the sake of a positive self-image. God wants to give you that positive self-image and that positive self-image is seeing yourself as God sees you. That's what humility is. Humility is seeing yourself as God sees you. Nothing more, nothing less. Humility is seeing yourself as God sees you. Nothing more, nothing less. That's what you're called to do. That's who you're called to be. And when you can do that, when you pull yourself up by God's grace, you get yourself back up after you feel judgmental and you're awful and you've fallen you know, out of grace. You pick yourself back up, go to confession, allow God to heal your heart. Allow God to show you the man or the woman that he created you to be. Not that you need to in, in, embrace all these different expectations and ideas of who everybody else wants you to be, all their projections on you of who they want you to be. That's not what you were created for. God doesn't need you to be another copy of somebody else. That person already exists. There's only one of you. And when you are who you were created to be, you free yourself up, you free others up to be who they were created to be. And we need that diversity in the church. We need the creativity that comes along with it. We need the, the difference in thinking that comes along with it. That's where we're going to be unified when we can start to accept each other for who we are, whether you wear tattoos, whether you have a mohawk, whether you whatever you want to do. There's obviously things that are inappropriate or appropriate. There's obviously things that are sinful and that are not sinful. There's obviously things that are virtuous, things that are vicious. But we have to stop acting like preferences or sins just because they're not the preferences that we choose or that we like or that we buy into. It's not fair to ourselves. It's not fair to others. And it's not fair to God. And it's not the church that Jesus Christ came here to find, to found and that he died on the cross for. It's not why he did it. 
He did it so that we would love each other, so that we would challenge each other to be our very best, to draw each other out of sin, to be accountable to one another, to work and fight together. But imagine, you know, 1 Corinthians 12, St. Paul tells us that we are all the body of Christ and that the hand can't say to the foot, oh, I don't need you and want to cut it off. But the foot looks different than the hand, and that's okay. And the hand looks different than the ear, and that's okay. We don't need 50 hands. We need two hands. We need two ears. We need two feet. We need two legs. We need the body of Christ. And that means the diversity of the body parts because we all have different functions. We're all going to reach different people. We all have different messages to share with the world. We all have a different gifts and talents. Uh, you know, like we need that. God needs your unique soul to be set on fire and sent out into the world so that you can fulfill our mission, which is what you should know this by now. It's to make disciples of all nations and to do your best to pursue personal holiness each and every day. And so I challenge you today to think about it, to be honest with yourself, to be honest with your Lord. And if you're really, really feeling ballsy, be honest with an accountability partner and tell them who is it that you feel inferior to. And on the other hand, who is it that you feel superior to? Take that truth, take that reality, look it in the face, take it to prayer, take it to confession, take it to adoration. And take it to scripture and allow God to transform the way that you see yourself, that toxic image that you have of you, that toxic acceptance and wide open arms that you have to every expectation, every negative word, every criticism that the world offers you, even your loved ones. Help, help ask God to give you the strength to close that and to push that off and say, I don't need that. I don't need those projections. I don't need the negativity and the expectations of everybody else. I don't need to embrace that right away. I don't have to let that dictate the, the flow and the joy in my heart, the peace that I have, the way that I view myself. I care about what God thinks about me more than anybody else. That's what I want for you. I want you to want what God, to see what God sees in you, to see who, how God sees you, and for you to embrace that as the primary thing and give that every aspect of control in your life. Nobody else's opinion of you matters more than what God's opinion of you matters. Embrace that. Embrace God, Jesus' loving gaze down from the cross. Him saying, I die for you. I love you. I forgive you. You are awesome. You are loved. Doesn't mean you don't need to grow. Doesn't mean you don't need to change. Doesn't mean there's not a ton of ugliness and sin inside you. It just means that you're redeemable. God's grace can work amazing things through you and that you're capable of changing the world and changing the world of the people around you. If only you'll commit yourself to this just cross that is humility. Pick up that cross each and every day. Embrace the way that God sees you. Stop, stop, stop judging other people and feeling like you're inferior to others and in turn feeling you're superior to other people. We are all made the same. We are all born with nothing. We will all leave here with nothing. We are all going to face the same judgment and we're all gonna end up in, in one of two places at the end of time. We're not, that, we're not as different as you might think. We're all very similar. We're all fallen. We're all sinners. And God loves each and every one of us beyond our wildest imagination. So think about that. Pray about that. And I challenge you to be your best. Be your very best out there. Lastly, of course, we just want to advertise. We really want you to sign up for our newsletter. We have a weekly newsletter. It's Ballers, where you get all the blogs and the podcasts and the videos that we highlight each week. Go and check that out. Sign up. Those who seek.org. Scroll down to the bottom. Enter in your information. We need you to sign up for the newsletter. I don't want you to miss anything. 
Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Seeking365. We're currently doing our rosary challenge for the month of October, where we're challenging you to pray the rosary each and every day. Pray the rosary with the intention to stop judging other people, stop being so damn judgmental. And pray that we'll all stop being so judgmental. Stop, pray for me to stop being judgmental. That's my challenge to you. I want you to pray the rosary every day this month. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook so that you won't miss when we go live and we'll pray the rosary together. We'll share intentions. We'll tag each other and hold each other accountable throughout that. Uh, and subscribe to our podcast. Leave us a review if you find this valuable. If this has been helpful for you at all, please, please, please share it with somebody else that needs to hear it. I know it can be hard, especially because they're going to think you think they're judgmental and they probably are, but share it with somebody else who you think could benefit from it. If you thought it sucked, don't share it. I don't blame you. I don't blame you for not sharing it. But hey, God bless. Be your best. Settle for nothing less. That rhymed three times and it was somewhat spontaneous. Keep it real out there. We'll see you soon.